Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 72. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the birthday boy, Thomas Smiley, and we're talking about Legacy. Hey, it wasn't my birthday, but Who, my... birthday was it? It was Alyssa's birthday. Ah, okay. So it was my wife's birthday. We don't have to hit any major milestones that I'm probably going to talk about on the cast later, later next year, but um, yeah. Is it officially next year then? Because... Uh, much like much like a uh, wizard's ret ret uh, what's it called retconned, Chandra, I feel like you've retconned your birthday from seventy nine to eighty since we started this podcast. I know I don't think that I ever actually stated what my birthday was at all. I think <laughs> we... I just vaguely mentioned it. <laughs> okay, I, I wasn't really sure. I uh, so I may wondering... have accidentally let my actual birthday slip in a chat. <laughs> you can cut so... that if you want. No, we're good. We're good. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm still old. <laughs> it's all good, bro. How, how are you surviving this Frovember? Are you freezing? Wait, Frovember? Yeah, I, it's, fr- it's oh, frozen, Oh, because it's cold. So I walk, to, I walk to work, and I'm fine. I, I mean, I'm built for the cold. <laughs> so I uh, it hasn't gotten super cold yet. Honestly, I'm looking at like the temperature outside and the temperature that our house is being heated at yeah and it's really not bad so like now i'm looking at it not as how cold it is outside it's how much heating oil are we using yeah and whether or not it's okay or not (laughs) yeah bro our house is freezing our guest room's like always freezing all i have to keep me warm is this battle of jmo and jacob wilson's tweets yeah could straight fire straight fire today (laughs) it's actually like a, a toasty 90 degrees right now Oh man, so we uh we're lucky. Our house has pretty good insulation, so we can drop the heat down to 65 at night. And our uh top floor, like the the second floor where everybody sleeps is still 70. So it's awesome. Bro, saving saving a bunch of money. How the fuck can you sleep in 70 degree warmth? Uh so usually I have a fan on, but now that I'm a homeowner, there's no way I'm cracking a window. I got to pay for that shit. I'm not. I'm not heating the outside, so you, I just got to deal with it. Yeah, that that sucks. Seventy degrees is way too hot to sleep. I, I'm like a sixty-two sleeper usually, but we keep our house like sixty-five usually. So I feel you. Um, yeah, obviously, we had some big news, some some really huge news in Legacy today, but we had to get some, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way first, a couple of big events this weekend. I wanted to thank our boy, Steve Hartford. He moved into his new house, finally. Uh, his baby is coming on Saturday, so they just got in under the wire. And we both know Steve. Steve's a great guy. And he hosted a Watertown Elementals revised cube draft this weekend. And uh, it was Dave's Cube, Dave Firthbard, uh, previous guest on the show. He has a like a rarity shifted revised cube. So like Savannah Lions is a common. Uh, Verdurin Enchantress is a common. So like that's an archetype you can build too. It's like super cool how he shifted the rarities on these cards to make it like a modern draft set. And uh, I actually took it down. I didn't know that there were prizes for this event. And I won a fucking revised booster pack outstanding and you cracked it like a good boy right i did i felt social pressure to crack it it was being filmed by someone who had their 
their camera in picture mode, so it wasn't actually filmed. <laughs> but uh, I got a bad moon out of the pack. I knew, so Underground Sea had already been opened from that box, so I knew that that was not a possibility, but I, I knew that other dual lands were. And unfortunately, there were two un uh, lands in the uncommon slots. That kind of sucked. But uh, I got a Juggernaut and a Bad Moon, so I was pretty happy. There you go. It would have been a good draft pack. You had Fireball. Bro, I it would I have saw. been a sick draft pack for Revised. We, we, we were talking about that. There's like five first picks in that pack. So, yeah, there you go. I, I wanted to get some housekeeping out of the way and apologize for my mechanical keyboard the last two episodes. <laughs> um frostbolts aren't going to cast themselves and now instead of the soothing noises of me spamming frostbolt you can hear the tiny clicks of me spamming gathering frostbolt. some herbs <laughs> is that what you're doing uh that's that's what i'm doing right now yes. what level are you at uh 60 oh jesus for the yeah we're we're good for now anyway anyway on to the exciting topics unless we have more housekeeping to do Nah, bro, that's about it, honestly. Uh, Ren and 86th. Dude, Legacy is dead. Long live Legacy. We went from one week ago talking about how uh, nobody's excited about the... Like, nobody's excited. Star City dropped it. We're all on our own. Nobody cares about the format. And suddenly, Watsy like, bans the correct card. And everybody's super pumped again. Yeah, it's... It's funny because I was thinking about it yesterday, like that the band was coming up and I have these three Ren and Sixes that I kind of want to sell. And I was like, there's no way that they ban it this quick, right? But when I woke up this morning, I was like, man, all this negative energy, I think they are going to ban it. And they, they fucking did. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, my rational mind didn't think so, that they would do it this early, but I'm really happy that they did. Yeah, it was Lizard, Lizard Brain took over. Yeah, and dude, I wish... Uh, do you, ever feel you wish like you, you acted on it? Do you ever feel like you learn that, like, during the day you have all these complex thoughts that, like, fight with each other and you can't really weight them against each other, but while you sleep, like, it gets done for you? Okay, so, for real, when I was in college, actually, I'm still in college now, but when I was an undergrad, and I would be, like, thinking about challenging problems, Yes. I swear to God, what I would do is I would think about the problem and I'd take a nap. And there would be some sort of processing happening in my brain as I was sleeping. 100%. That I would wake up and know the answer. So literally, like the, how about you just sleep on it when you're thinking about a complex problem? There's actual thinking going on where your body, your body is doing something to process that information. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. If I hit a roadblock at work, a lot of times I'll, I'll just stop what I'm doing. And just drive home and listen to like music or podcasts or something. And a lot of times I won't be thinking about the problem, but I'll just know the answer when I pull on my driveway. Or it works even better when you sleep. But like, it's so weird how your brain can figure shit out. It's so weird how your brain can figure shit out while while you're not thinking about it. But it definitely does. Yeah, I, I think like there's like a focused, I'm sure that there's some sort of like Eastern philosophy about like focus by non-focus or like like solving problems by just doing something else and not thinking about them yeah but there's a state that your mind gets into where you can process information much more clearly when you're not focusing on it and it's it's crazy what your body can do 
it's uh the flow right the zone or something the yeah the i i like to refer to it as the zone but i think there's a book where they call it the flow state yes there you go but sleeping sleeping is 100 percent my flow state have you <laughs> had now have you ever been in the zone do you, oh, yeah. do you remember oh. what the feeling is like so there's one example that's really embarrassing that i'm just not gonna say oh no now we need to know it no there's zero chance i'm gonna say this one okay but uh yeah bro so like in in football like playing when i was younger you know like uh, high school i don't ever remember making decisions when i when i was running the ball like not not playing defense or anything like i'm just talking about when i had the ball the i would get the ball and the play would be over and i would gain yards but like I was just going like my brain wasn't functioning at all. Yeah. When, when I was in high school, I, I played a bunch of sports, but basketball was my main one. And even though I played in college, I wasn't like great. Like my brother got a full ride D one and played against some, some NBA players. He was great. Wow. Um, tall is yeah. Your so uh, he's six, four, but he was a shooting guard. Ah. So we're, we're the same height, but he played for Holy cross when they lost to, Oh, nice. Uh, Kansas, Kentucky, and Marquette. Yeah. So we played against Collison and Heinrich and Dwayne Wade. Bro, I'm sure and, I uh, saw your brother then. That's crazy. Yeah, he, he definitely played on ESPN. Uh, and then he was a college basketball coach for a little while before he started working for a financial firm in uh, in Southie. But, like, he he was actually good. My younger sister, actually good. I, I was okay for high school and not super great for college. But there were a few games I had where, like, it everything just sort of clicked and i felt like my reaction time felt like it was quicker i felt like my perception of time slowed down yeah and it's the weirdest thing like because i i wasn't doing any substances that would make you change your perception like that just everything seemed like it was clicking and there are a few times that i've been in that phase playing cards where i got that same feeling Mm -hmm. but it's it's there are some people that try to focus on how do you get into that state and uh jacob wilson was talking about how adderall is his his flow state generator on twitter today (laughs) yeah i don't know if we want to have the adderall conversation on this cast i don't know if we can handle that but yeah we're not no we're we're good we don't need it (laughs) we uh we have a lot with this with this ren band man so I, i actually went back and looked at some old show notes of ours to uh, to try to remember what the meta was like before Ren, post War of the Spark. So there was only uh, five total episodes that came out that were post uh, War of the Spark, but pre-Ren and Six. And two of them, one of them was Marcus, and one of them was our Niagara rap, and we didn't really talk about the meta. So... There was like three episodes that we did. So I have like the challenge results from those episodes. But there's been a lot of cards that have come in since then that have affected the metagame too, right? Yeah, and I mean, uh, Modern Horizons hit us so quickly after war right. that we never got a settling. Exactly. So it's, while I mean, it's helpful to go back and look at that data. We still can't sort of rewind because things things would have been different. So... Yeah, and I think that the biggest cards, cards that really affect what's going on uh, with the format, there's, first of all, there's uh, Force of Negation is a huge one that's come in since then. 
Plague Engineer is another huge one. Veil of Summer. And then Oko, Once Upon a Time, Brazen Borrower, Prismatic Vista. Those are all in the mediums. And then Urza, Echo, uh, Oof, Astrolabe. Those are more obscure, but... I I agree that those cards definitely make an impact. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if we want to get into our predictions for what's going to happen. I think that Plague Engineer kind of dropped off the map. Yeah, it it, it was sort of redundant, right? Because people were already not playing minus one or not playing X ones. Right. So I think that that card is poised for a huge comeback. Right. And I'm super pumped, super pumped to start to tinker with, with Grixis. Um, I'm excited. I really am. So my mind, when, when this happened, I went to, I think you said something about Grixis and I was thinking about bugs. So I was like comparing bug and Grixis. Then I was talking to our buddy, Jesse a little while ago. And he was like, well, why do you think Grixis and not blue red? And I stopped to think about it. And looking back at these results, I saw that the last challenge before modern horizons came on, there were four blue red Delver decks in the top eight. And I stopped to think about like what what are you getting? I mean, obviously you're getting you know thoughts, the access to discard spells and Gurmag Angler from from black, right? And potentially fatal push if you want it. But versus having red, what do you feel are the draws for Grixis? Well, one, I think that it's a huge boost that your mana base isn't as disruptible with Ren. Like Ren is gone, you you don't have to fight against a two mana planeswalker threat threat but like base threat anymore. Right. And if we look back to tradition of blue-red versus Grixis, I feel like the reason why blue-red has been doing really well lately is because it sidesteps that whole Ren battle. And now that Ren's gone, Grixis has a higher card quality. And since we're we're not dealing with the mana disruption as much, it's probably going to be a better place to start. Now, blue-red might end up just being more consistent regardless and like a like a blue red burn package might end up being better but i want to start with grixis because i i think that those are the most interesting cards to me i definitely agree that grixis is more interesting for like i I would probably play it for that reason i i just uh i wonder about the efficiency and i wonder what role blood moon has now with people going back to greedier mana bases like whether we're going to see a resurgence of Blood Moon type decks because they were occupying a pretty large space at one point in the pre-war of the Spark meta. So the amount of Blood Moons, that's a huge draw to to stay in basic lands, right? Like a blue-red basic land configuration. True. Um, and a deck that we don't really even think about anymore is blue-white. Remember that that was like all the rage in I guess it was it was pre-War of the Spark, but also probably a little before that, before like Miracles and uh, Stoneblade decks came and sat on it. But blue We're talking about the blue white Delver deck? Yeah, the blue white Delver deck. Yeah, I, I love that deck. And maybe it's time for Tundra to make a little bit of a comeback, but I'm still not I'm still not sold on it. There were some problems with that deck with how draws lined up whether or not you were like talking about hands with uh Jace and Delver yeah or um just bad bad combinations of cards to have together even though I I when I played the deck I still wouldn't mind drawing a Jace the Mind Sculptor and 
a Niv Magus Elemental in my opening hand, I think that the blue red deck is is much more focused. And if I were to start tinkering with blue white, it would be a it'd be a Stoneblade shell instead. Yeah, I agree. I think that one of the reasons that I'm thinking about blue white right now is obviously, you know, Abrupt Decay is still a great spell when, especially when we're talking about now that you know Narset and Teferi and stuff like that exist. Uh, it's still relevant, you know, even though Ren's gone and Oko, I guess now too. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that can be tagged by Abrupt Decay, so you still want that like, you know, that potential bug sort of removal. But uh, we have Veil of Summer now, right? So Swords to Plowshares, and out of blue red, I guess any of the damage based removal. I don't know if Sinkhole is still going to be played, honestly. Um, Magmatic Sinkhole. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it's a function of how many Tarmogoyfs are around, right? Well, so that's the other thing, right? The, in the three challenges leading up to Modern Horizons, there are no Goyfs. So, like, is Goyf, is Goyf going to stick around? Like, obviously not to the percentage that it has been, but I wonder how many Goyfs we see now. Right, so it's... You you have all of the Delver players that were playing the Rug Delver deck, and now I think you're just going to see those players migrate to either Blue Red uh, Grixis or Bug Delver. And I think um, Menguchi posted a Bug Delver list on his Twitter today. And if people want to stick with that, all right, we want a cheap Planeswalker threat they're not going to have access to Ren and Six anymore. They have Oko. All right, maybe you want to go Bug with Goyf and Abrupt Decay or um, Assassin's Trophy and take that route with it. So I think we're going to see the Delver contingent start to split up to all of these different shells, and then we'll see which one settles out as the best one. I want to try Grixis first, but again, it could be any flavor. Yeah, the other thing that I see with Grixis is actually going back to probably like the first episode we recorded when Deathrite was first banned. Um, at that point, the reason that I didn't see Grixis being like a, a first choice deck was because you didn't have the turn one plays out of black anymore. Uh, like unless you went to something like Death Shadow, right? And that's sort of... That's sort of where I am now. Like, if you have stifles in your deck or, like, a lot of pierces or something, like, a, you know, stuff to do with your mana turn one, other than just Delver and Ponder, then I think it makes more sense, like, a stifled Grixis Delver list, or if you're main decking discard spells, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it's Thoughtseize that fills that role. Yeah. And probably. that's what I, I would be most excited to start with. Uh, your, your Delver and Thoughtseize as your turn one plays. Yeah. And... With this rug deck going away, not really going away because you can still play different cards in that rug shell, but it's going to lose popularity. I I think that there could be a lot of people that could say, all right, maybe it's time for combo. Like the show and tell contingent is just absolutely pumped about this happening. They're like, oh, I can play my deck again. But I think it's just going to lead to Delver decks that are better against them coming out. Because that Rug Delver shell, game one, I mean, it was not geared to fight combo. In fact, combo had, I wouldn't say easy matchups, but not bad matchups game one against that deck. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of chasing our tail going on, too, because I wanted to start with Delver, you wanted to start with Delver, because Delver is going to be the deck with the biggest meta share, right? Whatever the best Delver deck is. Yes. But also, whatever the best Delver deck is, is going to be a reaction to the meta at large, because it's, it's a function of like how good discard spells are, what the best removal spells are, you know, what the best threats are. So it's kind of like we can start here, but it also is dependent on everything else, you know? And right. I so, think Sneak and Show is... So we, and we did this too when Death Row was banned. That's one of the rocks that I think we have to look at because that deck, we we know like what a solid 60 for that deck is, right? Like we know there's a tried and true sort of quote-unquote best version, even though there are alternates, you know, there's like Days and there's, there's Omni Show and there's people with Teferi. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's still like Trinity Tell too, right? Yeah. And I think that like obviously it's a reaction to the meta at large, but in your cast notes, I think you hit the nail on the head where you're gonna see some decks that Ren held down come back a little bit more. Like I know that there was a very successful Elves player that was dominating with like a really different list online. Yeah. But I think we're gonna see more of the standard elves, and I think we're going to see death and taxes. I'm, I'm I'm pumped, by the way. A little bit more death and taxes in the metagame. And when you take into account those decks, I mean, maybe Plague Engineer gets better. Maybe Plague Engineer is the reason that Grixis is better than Blue-Red. I could definitely believe that, yeah. So, I, I would be yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different reactions to not just the main deck, but the sideboard that could tip these color combinations over the edge. Bro, and it's all coming back to me now. I forgot about that that deck that was like the, the blue red Delver deck that just had a uh, black card sideboard for like a plague engineer, like mm-hmm. right before Ren took off really. That was, that was uh clay Spicklemeyer's list. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember whose deck that was. Uh, yeah. It's all coming back to me now. Yep. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if we see that again. We, I think, I think that we are in a very exciting time now for results because people are going to be trying a bunch of stuff. And I mean, like, I don't think this is going to stick. But I've been seeing Bant Stoneblade lists pop up. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, those decks. So the, the other thing is those decks had Goose in them. Gilded Goose. Because it was an O2 mana dork, you know. Hierarch and now is Noble Hierarch. Noble Hierarch comes back. Right? And it's just such a better card for that deck, really. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. I guess you can say, well, like, you can make your food token a 3-3 with Oko and give it semi-haste, but, man. I mean, uh, it's not, it's not like, impossible to think that that deck might want four Hierarchs and one or two Goose. Like, Goose is pretty good, but it's not better than Hierarch. Just absolutely. No so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about Noble Rug again, too. Just, you know, Hierarch and Days just felt really good when I was playing it in that meta. So just being able to, to get ahead, you know, and, and not give up that tempo. So Yeah, absolutely. Like being able to daze on the draw and not setting yourself back in mana development compared to regular land drops. Yep. Or being able to daze on the play after playing a hierarch. Just it feels so dirty. It does feel it's, great. So uh it, it will be exciting to see we'll, we'll see what happens yeah and I, I believe we're having lawrence on next week too so to look at the first round of results we're not really going to talk about results this episode like the the legacy league or the deck dump because everything why? everything's dead now right yeah like why bother but i think the the first deep dive on the meta i think it'd be a good time to have lawrence back on 
Yeah, well, we love Lawrence. We've never had any listeners tell us not to have Lawrence on. So we will have him back anytime he wants to be back. We've had plenty of listeners tell us to have him on, including two of them today. Uh, we're like, oh man, you, you guys just said Lawrence on. It's too bad. You know, should have waited for this week. And I was like, yo, just wait. He's, <laughs> he's coming back. But yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to um, Eldrazi, right? Uh, like, you like, think? So playing leading up to uh the grand prix uh niagara i was playing against uh, the bigger eldrazi the eldrazi post deck so much and then they even got karn like great creator karn Mm -hmm. and they they just got stifled by ren and six and i guess collector oof exists now too we'll see how many people play it but that deck i feel was really strong and if combo does end up getting sort of suppressed the way that it was in the old meta because a lot of we've seen a lot of combo players talking about how ren six had made their deck good again right uh i know cyrus said that recently yeah well there was a bunch of sort of inbreeding going on with the blue base decks to fight ren and six battles that left them weak to combo exactly and combo was really hurting before like if we go if we go back to this period in time there's a bunch of top eights here with no combo like sneak, yep. sneak and show was kind of the best combo deck at this point. It wasn't even great. So, or actually, it, it did have its moments. But I think that uh, I I don't know. I think that there's a possibility that we could see Eldrazi come back in a big way now. Yeah, and I think that again that plays on the meta with how much Blood Moon is coming back. Are the Delver decks decks that have greedy enough mana bases to be be really terrible against a Blood Moon strategy or does because uh, i mean that the eldrazi post deck right mm-hmm. if you see a blue red delver shell that is packing price to progress price of progress like there there's just no way that shell is gonna win no that's brutal so you have a really heavily burn based tempo blue red delver deck that can just ten you uh i don't i don't see that happening but it's gonna it's gonna depend on how the list settle. Like yeah. like the blue red deck might not need to play that card. And then maybe you can play a big Eldrazi strategy and get away with it because there isn't a lot of Blood Moon. Maybe Tundra ends up still being bad and there's no back to basics. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. But I when you said Eldrazi, I wasn't thinking about big Eldrazi. And I was thinking about the little guys, and I don't think this does anything to the to the little Eldrazi deck. No, unfortunately. I, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I kind of think that the bigger one had had supplanted it in in terms of results by the like by the end of the po- the pre run phase, and I kind of would expect that to happen again. And it'll be interesting to see if like back to basics gets adopted again with you know without. Also, I guess we're we're sort of losing Astrolabe, right? Because like a whole big problem with why people were playing Astrolabe in the first place is because if you were in Grixis, there was no reason not to go into green because your deck got better with red. If you were in Bug, there was no reason not going to red because your deck got better with red. So we ended up with all these four and even five color snow piles that people were playing. And now that there's not that incentive to reach into that other color for this ridiculously powered two, you know, two drop planeswalker, do we even see Astrolabe at all? I think that there was 
did the mentor deck play Renin Six? I don't. There was a there was um an Astrolabe mentor deck that I don't believe played Renin Six. Okay, I could be wrong. It might. Oh, have oh, you, it. you're talking about the yeah the blue white red miracles like or not miracles but blue mentor, red, red mentor mentor Astrolabe. Deck. I did see three Astrolabes in that deck from time to time. Yeah, so they they used it to sort of filter and cantrip with mentor, and so keep, it won't and compl- play more basics too. Yeah, it won't completely disappear. It'll be more of like a like a niche card. Yeah, but um, I think it will still be around. There there are just less payoffs for going four color now, right? Because Ren not only provided the Ulu with like a like a super powerful two drop that could could take over the game, but it fixed your mana too. Yeah, and uh the reasons to dig into green and decks like that just isn't around anymore. So maybe Grixis control yeah. like, a, like a more three color deck makes a comeback as the value deck of choice, but we, we'll see. I could see if there was a Grixis control deck that wanted to play like him and Narset on curve, wanting to play some number of Astrolabes so they didn't have to play, you know, eight dual lands or whatever and just get, you know, wrecked by two wastelands. Right. Like you get to, you get to play your three mana Liliana and your him, and your Narset and Jace a little bit easier. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's an option there, but uh, I'm not sure. I've never been like a huge huge fan of the four like three or four color based control decks. Right. I don't enjoy playing them, and I I've never been really good at analyzing when they're great in the metagame. Yeah, I I don't love the decks either. I'm totally with you on that. So it, it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see it shake out. I. It's, dude, we have Bologna in like 10 days. Actually, yeah. I actually got a request today that we make sure we do our what we expect to see in the top eight of Bologna next episode. I mean, yo, next episode. I need time to prepare. Like, yeah. I saw this news today and I was like, wow, Watsy, Watsy did it. I didn't think they were going to. And when I saw that Renin Six got the axe, I, I mean, I was kind of happy. It made me a little excited. It made me think a little bit more about the format. All of this talk about, all right, there's no support. What, like, does Watsi care? They made significant changes in Vintage and Legacy. And I think that the overwhelming response was positive. So I think I think Watsi deserves some props for what they did today. I know some people might disagree with me. I mean, especially the people that are like, I just spent $400 on Rens. Yeah. People who might be going to play in Grand Prix Bologna and they're like, ah, I don't want to pony up this money just to play in one Grand Prix. And now they ponied up that money and they get to play in zero Grand Prix. And uh, I definitely feel bad for those people. But I think game-wise, I think it was a good decision. Yeah, I bet if you uh, Twitter search Renin6 Fancolo you'd probably get a lot of uh, angry Italians that can't play their deck. But I Now, what what does, that, what does that word mean? Uh, it means up your ass in Italian. But oh, I didn't know that. I learned something new today. That's probably like the, the number one. It's sort of just like, you know, F you or whatever in Italian. But. Okay. Uh, the, the Americanized is like fangul, you know? Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's I've like the New Jersey before. way of saying it. But... Anyway, the uh, I want to take a step back for a second because one thing you said about the, the ban announcement or whatever. So, you know pre-modern? Like, are you familiar with the format pre-modern? So I've heard of it. I have not 
um, spent any time thinking about the format or what's going on with it. Yeah, I don't know either. So there's pre-modern and there's a couple variations. There's like uh, Hextended and uh, one other one, but they they have these intricate band lists, right? And a lot of the sets I didn't play for, like the sets after Saga, like the Odysseys and Onslaughts and stuff, mm-hmm. Legion, Scourge. Uh, I just don't know the cards. And people, once in a while, someone will try to get me to play the format. And I'm just like, dude, I can't handle this. Like, I have Alpha and then all the old school rule sets like Atlantic or EC. And then there's Legacy and then whatever the current draft format is and Pioneer now. It's like, there's no way I can process all this like yeah that's why i sort of ignore it like I just yeah there's there's pre pre-modern and middle school and I mean, there you go middle school that's what it is yeah. i i just i i see people playing them i see deck lists i see people really excited about the format but i don't have enough time and attention to be able to devote to even thinking about it yeah and it could so be a I'm, fun format and maybe someday i'll play it but it's got to come at the expense of something else at this point right and i feel like actually I felt a similar feeling today with this ban list announcement where like I'm running out of processing space with the addition of pioneer and yep. like there's these cards, uh, veil of summer once upon a time and Oko being the, the three that jumped to mind first. And I guess field of the dead, but these cards that are like banned in, in one format and not another. And like, you know, trying to remember like, is is once upon a time legal and modern or is it legal and standard or pioneer or veil of summer like what formats is that legal in right now like i feel like i'm already hitting this wall where modern is just gonna have to fall out of my awareness the way that sort of pre-modern is yeah i mean or you could just play uh bogles in (sighs) modern and then not worry about anything I mean, I'm just not going to play modern, but at least I used yeah. to be aware that it existed and like what decks were good, you know? And yeah. I feel like if Pioneer is going to occupy that space now for me, like where I, I kind of am interested and kind of have a half of a deck assembled, then, you know, I, I just, it's just crazy, man. Like just trying to keep this straight. Like which, which ones of these cards are legal in which format? Yeah. Well, I mean, like formats compete with each other for time. And. There's sort of been, I don't know, I don't want to say an explosion of new formats, but if you think about like middle school and uh, pre-modern and pioneer, pioneer especially, there's just, there's, there's a lot of new things to think about when it comes to magic. And when a new format comes out that grabs your attention, a lot of the time something else falls off. And that's just how it is. Yeah, it's wild. And I honestly, we were talking about this earlier. I was kind of excited about Pioneer and like brewing a bunch of decks up. But then after the the dual ban announcements on like on two of the last three Mondays, mm-hmm. I just sort of stopped because I'm like, wait, I'm not going to bother moving these cards aside and sort of half building these decks and whatever. If these cards are just going to get banned, you know, like I'm going to just right. wait, wait for this to shake out until I actually have to play an event because it's just not worth my time at this point. Uh, and I, I really, I think it, it's kind of cool that they're willing to react quickly, but it's at this point, I, I think it might be a mistake. Like they might want to make this monthly or something because it, 
it feels like a disincentive. Okay, sure, I I understand. Yeah, I don't know. Have you have you like been trying to brew it all for Pioneer or not? Not yet. No, I mean there's one Pioneer event that I want to play in, and that's the one that Gaming Etc is running that um yeah, Pat same. talked about. Same. So I I don't know if we can talk about this yet. Have they posted anything? Yes. Okay, so um, Pat Pat messaged me really quickly after the announcement of the format saying, listen, early December, we're going to stream a Pioneer event. And I'm, I'm sort of really excited about being a part of that because I only get a limited amount of time to go play in events and it's close, so I won't miss time away from my family. And I have the card pool, so it, it's not going to be something that I spend a ton of time preparing for. I'll find a list that I feel comfortable playing and then I'll go play in it. But... Um, it's not something that's taking up my sort of background processing yeah. like legacy has done in the past. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's just going to be bonus for me to go and relax and, and play cards and have fun. I, my processing time now is spent doing so much other things that I don't have time to think about pioneer or modern or anything other than preparing for legacy in this cast. And Thanksgiving dinner, apparently. Oh, yeah, I'm hosting for Thanksgiving. Okay, yes, that's that's in the background. My grad school is in the background. My kid is in the background. Like, all of that stuff is there, and it's pushed out. By all of World the of Warcraft formats. in the foreground. <laughs> well, no, so I don't, have to think, I don't have to think about that, right? Like, I'm yeah. running around clicking buttons. Yeah. That's a completely separate myself from everything else sort of thing. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, I was just busting balls. But I, I, I hear you, man. I, that's why I was excited about this pioneer format really is because of the event that we we're going to have uh to play in because remember like how excited we were uh after the death right band because we had some events coming up like we had that star city trios and we there was a grand prix richmond that you went to and then how excited we were similarly for syracuse and niagara like back to back and I really, I was honestly excited that this event at Game Etc. was Pioneer instead of Legacy because, you know, Legacy was just kind of in a weird spot right now. And now I'm like, fuck, man, I wish this was Legacy because we have GP Bologna coming up and then there's Eternal Weekend Paris. And obviously we can't go to either of those. And it's just, you know, it's just not feasible. Dude, I think Eternal Weekend Paris is like the week of Christmas, too. Oh, really? It's like December 20th or something. Oh, that's So it's, the that's flights are like 1,500, probably more. But yeah. there's no way I'm I, going. And I really I wish do I know was, man. There's a Leaving a Legacy event in January. Yeah. I know this all all the stuff is happening and like January is not not on the time scale. For, it's not quickly on the horizon, but it'll be here soon. And I mean, the growth of that event, they, they've done a great job promoting and doing everything possible to make that event bigger. Hell yeah. And I think there's a lot of people in the community that are like, all right, you know what? I was like kind of hesitant to make this a travel, a travel destination event. But I, I think we're all going out to dinner soon. And we might talk about doing something to make that a little bit more of a, all right, we have a whole weekend planned. It's worth coming up for. Hell yeah. So... Maybe maybe next week or the week after we'll have some plans for it. Well, and for the spring, I guess I'll just spoil this now. For the spring, we want to do like a dual golf outing and leaving a legacy tournament weekend. I mean, not like 100 people golfing. It would probably be like 8 people or maybe 12 people. But if you're interested in that, 
definitely holler. Yeah, and Ian will definitely make sure that if you go to the golf outing, there'll be t-shirts. <laughs> and um, yeah, tweet it, tweet at him. It's worked in the past. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, back to the uh, back to the meta. I was thinking about Infect, right? Okay, I, so that's that's what, remember we were talking about the Team Trios event that we all went to. Yeah, that's where I landed. Right, and that's that's where I landed as well. And it was good at that point in time. It was definitely a good choice, and it fell out of favor. And my initial reaction to this ban was, okay, Ren was like the single worst card you could have possibly seen from an Infect perspective because, you know, it it can kill all the X ones and recur wastelands. So, in the immediate absence of Ren, with suboptimal deck lists, everybody, you know, nobody knows exactly what they want to play. And this has been, like, the the addition of Teferi is something I've really been wanting to try, because I think it kind of adds another dimension to it, in fact. And possibly... Well, go ahead. There's that, there's that sorcery speed worm pump spell that... There's that hit- too, yep. Yeah, that hit sort of the format around the same time as all this other craziness happening, where we haven't seen that card without Ren and Six keeping it in check. True, right? true. Yep. There's that so, and Teferi. And, you know, Hierarch is back. So I was thinking, man, I really think I could take a lot of wins this week off people with Infect. But then this sort of realization that Blue Red could be one of the first top decks has kind of scared me off now i'm not so sure how i feel about it I yeah i mean you, six hours you still real strong on it. you still get to to have that feeling where like you hierarch to fairy people yeah you can either you can even like hierarch to fairy people with your second land drop being um uh ink being moth. ink it blink uh, sorry ink moth nexus yeah i was trying to come up with that it's it's dirty Again, you're you're still making your your mana base a little bit worse to wasteland, but it's a hierarch deck, and I think hierarch gains a ton of value, and all of the infect creatures gain a ton of value with what's going on. I I think that is not uh, it's also not a bad place to start. Yeah. So you think of that sort of like like tempo combo ish thing that that infect is, and that's another reason why if I was starting with Delver. I think Grixis Delver is probably the best way to fight that. Yeah, I, although I do think Blue Red has a positive effect matchup too. But Del, uh, Grixis against what Infect might be doing now, which, dude, the addition of Veil of Summer is potentially really huge for Infect. And now, how many of those do you play main? <clears throat> how many of those do you play main? All Veils? I wouldn't play any Veils main. But you wouldn't? No. Are you, are you thinking about Once Upon a Time? No, I'm thinking about Veil of Summer. Oh, like have, have because, people been playing Veil's main in fact? Well, no, but they played cards like Spell Pierce. True. And isn't Veil of Summer like when you think about what it's trying to do in an infect shell? Isn't Veil just almost better? I I think about what Spell Pierce accomplishes in that shell, and I feel like Veil does more. Well, there's one spot where it's really bad, which is against Tundra like where pierce is still good and veil is really bad so if, if you're talking about tundra or blue red uh blue red honestly is, is still fine but yeah i i could see where you're coming from there maybe and maybe it is a main deck card 
mean, so I, I, I know people I think have that... tried it, but I wouldn't have started with one of them. Okay. Yeah, I just feel like I feel like that card has so much utility when you're trying to do what you're trying to do with that deck that it fills a similar role as spell pierce and a lot of the times can can function to be better. if not the same um maybe a little bit better i think pierce probably is still better overall but i really like that card well another big part of that question is what percentage of blue decks do you think we'll see because for the longest time we were at 70 percent, you know 68 69 percent uh blue decks and legacy and now we've gotten all the way down to 59 percent by by the last two months of the meta yep. and a lot of that was was due to the different depth decks spreading out and, and gaining share uh what i i really wonder what we're going to see now for for a percentage of blue decks like do we go back up to like a like a 65 even well, okay, 65. so I feel like we're obviously going to see a huge pullback for the Rug deck. I think it's mostly going to split between other versions of Delver, but I think that we, you talked about Blood Moon and you talked about like the big mana Eldrazi deck. I think we'll see a little bit of a gain there. Um, what what's going to happen in the in the short term is I think we're going to see a little a little like five five-ish percent gain by non-blue maybe that's it's how gonna it be, feels right maybe maybe it's going to be more but we'll we'll see how it actually plays out it feels like we're going to see a blue drop I, I agree and that's kind of why i was thinking no i wouldn't play veil main but we're also at the lowest point for blue so to feel like it would drop seems sort of counterintuitive so i'm, I'm right. really not sure what to make of that well so i think like the blood moon matchup with in fact it's it's kind of just awful for you. Oh, and the big, the big mana Eldrazi deck is kind of like a buy. Yep. So I think if you want to prepare for Infect, you still need to sort of prepare for that fair blue matchup. And fair blue decks now are going to be blue, red, or bug, or Grixis, where uh, Veil of Summer stopping a discard spell just seems like or Veil of Summer stopping an abrupt decay just seems like it's it's an outstanding place to be. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're playing blue, it's not a liability. You know, you can just cycle right. it. So, so that's really, like, the, the higher the percentage of blue, the more I would want to play it in the game. But uh, the other card is Once Upon a Time, too, that uh, I, I've seen... So, it's I've seen it pop up first as one, then as two in the Infect decks. And I know it's something that we've been talking about, like since it was spoiled. Like, how many does Infect want? And and the weirdness of like Infect was never a, like a four ponder deck too, right? There's always been this weirdness of like how much gas to space do you really have? Like yep. how much interaction? Because you have to play pump spells, right? So you have a lot less room than other decks because you have to play like a creature suite like a Delver deck, but then also you have to put in these pump spells, and then you need some interaction. So it's always a numbers game with that deck. I mean, it's so touchy. Like yep. you know, you played it. It's so temperamental that deck. Like, and I, I don't have enough balls to play Veil of Summer. Like, so, so I don't want to say I don't have enough balls to play the card, but a lot of the time with that deck, you look at your opening hand and you're making mulligan decisions based on whether or not you have ponders um, or a um, or an infect creature. And a lot of the times, even if you have a ponder, you're like still digging for that first infect creature. And keeping a hand 
that has a once upon a time, but no other threat, like, a lot of the time I just want to throw it back. We live in the world of the London Mulligan where, yes, London Mulligan hurts in fact a lot more because you're losing your pump spells. Yeah. But you, you always want to have that actual creature instead of the cantrips to go find it. You want to use the cantrips to find protection and pump. So I I haven't done enough testing with the deck to understand whether or not you should mulligan down to the creature or what percentage is right to keep with a once upon a time. But it, the deck space is tight, like you said. Yeah, the way that I would view it was kind of like a cutting a land right because there there was always like a 19 and a half land deck when i was playing it like it Mm -hmm. was always felt a little heavy at 20 and a little light at 19 so like if you put in two of them i would safely cut a land at that point and like you know keep like one land one once upon a time hands i'd feel better about that and just maybe fire off during their upkeep to make sure you hit the land but and then it's sort of like a like a wild card in that respect almost like a fetch land that can get you you know, a land or a creature, but I don't know what you only have eight creatures that you can really hit or potentially nine because your, your hierarchs don't really account for creatures in that spot. It's, it's going to be interesting, man. And hopefully I'll be doing some of this development and be, being trying to figure out a good list for this, but I I'm really excited to see where people land on this. I agree. It's funny, like, watching the depth decks go with with regard to Once Upon a Time, too. I, I can't remember a card, really, that has come in and and been so, like... Well, so people, people base their opinions on the card with a small amount of testing, right? And that card has a crazy amount of variance between what can happen with it. That card, you can either play it a few times and be like, this card is the greatest card... That has ever been printed. It is a free tutor that I can fire off on my first turn. Right? Or you could play it in the first few times. Like you really need a specific piece and you whiff. And you're like I'm never playing this card again. So I think the reason why we're seeing so much variance between pilots trying it. Is so much variance between people's initial opinions on the card. And maybe it's a card that just like the longer you play with it the more likely you are to be turned off by it, by something negative happening. And uh, we still haven't tra- like found like the, f- like the, the true middle ground value on what that card can do. Maybe I'm just completely blowing smoke right now, but no, that's uh, actually a good point, man. I didn't really thought about that because it's kind of an invis- invisible effect. A lot of the time, like you need a land, you hit a land. Okay. It didn't feel that good. But you need a land and you end up taking a creature because you whiff, that feels horrible. Or vice versa, you know, like you keep an infect hand with, you know, three lands and, you, and a once upon a time and you just need, and a, you know, a good hand and you just need a creature and you see four lands and I'm taking your fourth land to your hand. That feels bad, right? Yep. And that feels a lot worse than the time when it does what it's supposed to do. So there's probably a big bias with regard to that. And I hadn't really considered that, but how much worse it feels when you don't hit versus how expected it feels when you do hit. Yeah, but and there's also that like, oh, wow, this hand would be perfect if I had a hex mage. Right. And it's got a once upon a time and you fire it off and you kill your opponent on turn two. Like that feels really good. So uh, 
there's there's a lot of variance with what that card can do. And I know that we talk about cantrips like reducing variance. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? It should be mitigating, but but if you if you play it as okay, I can play this card that is probably just going to be a land when I need it, but sometimes has upside. Emotionally, that's kind of boring, right? Like you fire it off, you get your right. fetch land, you yeah. don't really think about it, like you said. Yeah, it's interesting, man, and. I really, I don't feel like anything's been answered with regard to this question. Like we've seen it pop up in Eldrazi lists, if you recall. Actually, a couple lists that have been doing well. Eldrazi was playing that card. Yeah, to find Eldrazi Temple and then maybe a Thought Nazi. Or like, yeah. that's interesting to me. But but then there's also this question of like, um, you know, whether Maverick decks want it. And like what, what they would be replacing. Because Maverick's already a deck that's super tight because of Green Sun Zenith. Like, you have all these one-ofs, like these, these green sun packages. Like, what exactly are you cutting from that deck? Like, do you want to go down lower than four Night of the Reliquary? You know, do you want to go down to, like, two Thalia or something? Like, are you cutting Sacred Cows to put this in? Or are you cutting bullets? Or are you cutting plows? Like, you got to yeah, cut something. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we can talk about Maverick later. Like, people have to prove to me that that deck is still, like, a thing. Oh, yeah? Right? So, so you think death and taxes would be the place to start then? I think that, to me, going to death and taxes would be my first choice rather than going to Maverick. Yeah, but but that's that's I'm super biased. Yeah, you um, death and taxes. And I guess humans yeah. humans kind of deserves a spot in this conversation too because it did well with, before uh, War of the Spark even. Like mm-hmm. We see it in this top eight right before. Uh, yeah, but that emergence. was like its initial emergence, like its coming out party. True. And obviously, like the tribal base decks. I mean, maybe maybe fish or goblins or humans. Maybe unsettled mariner makes a little bit of a comeback. Like they're all probably going to gain a little bit as long as plague engineer doesn't go crazy. And humans is one of the better decks against plague engineer because your guys pump each other like a huge amount so your one drop is not getting killed by plague engineer on human yeah and i always feel like it plays really at instant speed too better than the others like especially better than maverick but well it's uh, a it's a better vile deck right um i don't think it's a better vile deck than than death and taxes no death and taxes is like the vile deck i don't know why i feel like humans plays a better flash game than death and taxes because it it on paper, it shouldn't really. Right. Well, I mean, humans can like they can flash meddling mage, and they have flash phantasmal image on something important. Yeah. And they have flash like pump my whole team, kill you the next turn. Yeah. So, death and taxes is like that. All right, I'm playing the flash grindy game. Yeah. Where humans is like I can just kill you right now. And there's like hella disruption too with like freebooter and meta and uh, reflector mage stuff like that. Where you have to play. Are they playing Reflector Mage? I've seen it pop up as like a one-up, yeah. Okay. I don't know if like the current list has it or not, but it is interesting to see like, uh, I guess, which one of those vile decks, I would assume that Death and Taxes has a bigger meta share than humans, but what? how much Maverick eats from Death and Taxes. We haven't really talked about Miracles, honestly. I'm looking at this list now. is does miracles get anything from what's going on well so i was thinking back to 
I keep saying this phrase, like this pre-Ren days. And like there was like the the Koval miracles list that was sort of popping up. And there there was like these these uh challenges were just littered with these six planeswalker miracle decks, like some combination of Teferi. Teferi, Narset, and Jace. Yeah. Like yep. anywhere from six to eight of those. And then just like a miracle shell. And I mean, what would that deck like what would invalidate that deck now? I mean, like what what is it actually attacking though? So we talk about like the Delver decks being like really hyper efficient. We're still talking about Rug and Grixis and Blue Red, right? Mm. Um, we're talking about combo decks making a comeback, probably a little bit. And do you want to be playing an, an eight Planeswalker based Miracles deck if we're going to see a little bit of an upswing in Blue Red Delver or combo? Well, for combo, no. But for Delver, probably I, th- I think it would be okay. Like uh, I'm not. But you have you have eight. You're talking about like six to eight, three mana planeswalkers. Yeah, that's you're playing not against great. like a hyper efficient burn deck. That's not great. No. So um, I don't I don't I don't know that I would start my top down processing with. All right, hey, let's take a look at miracles. Right. And maybe that's because of my play style where I played it for a little bit, but like. I don't really enjoy playing decks like that. I definitely gravitate toward, I mean, days, tempo decks, or some combo decks when I feel like they're really well positioned. Um, Or, I mean, fuck, maybe I don't. Maybe I just play shitty decks. (laughs) So maybe we shouldn't listen to what I'm I'm thinking right now because I played Burn. (laughs) But, I mean... I don't know if I would start there in my let's let's analyze what's going on. Well, it's weird because like the the sort of consensus knowledge opinion about like a recently shaken up format is to play threats, right? That that you're gonna have threats are gonna have the advantage over answers before people know what's going on. So you kind of want to shy away from playing control decks, and you know miracles is one of the harder control decks. But I would be way way more afraid to bring like a three color control deck like a grixis control deck or something right now than i would to bring miracles because i feel like the miracles list is at least hammered out and yeah you're right about about the planeswalkers like that was probably a more settled meta it was more reacting to the prevalence of decks like stoneblade and people might not be on that yet so i might be on like a more trimmed down miracles list but i i do feel like you know, just because of the history that Miracles has had post-top, that the, the 60s are more defined and I'd be more comfortable just bringing, like, a pretty stock Miracles deck. Sure. So, I mean, I, I I agree with you that the lists that are more defined are probably going to be better earlier on because you have you have a well to draw from. But if we were talking about Big Eldrazi maybe making a comeback, I... I don't want to play Miracles. Yeah, well, if that, we're... that's when you need to know if like you need to play Back to Basics or something, right? Well, I mean, I think you, I think you probably have to. Yeah, well, you definitely have it in your seventy-five, but like, are you starting one? Are you starting two? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I don't feel like there's room in the deck to start the Planeswalker package right, and true, true. Back to Basics. So, like, I, it depends on where everything goes. But I'm not, I'm not big on Miracles, and I haven't been for a while. Yeah, but so the other thing is like we're talking about a lot of creature decks gaining share though. 
like elves and death and taxes. So it does seem like at least some percentage of people are going to jump on miracles. And it was down to probably the lowest point we'd seen it in the past four years, five years. So I definitely think it's going to gain share, whether it gains share back to like, you know, six months ago. I'm not sure. Yeah. And obviously it depends on how long, how long that share gain lasts because I mean, uh, something, something's going to happen next weekend. Something's going to happen at the Grand Prix and a miracles deck top aiding the challenge next week or performing really well at the Grand Prix. That's going to define people's expectation of the metagame. It's going to lead more people to play it. And then it will do well more like it will have more top finishes online. It's just like, like positive feedback loop yeah. of performances and expectations with people playing it. And it's, um, it's, it's really interesting to see. And I know that people, people are looking at the results. They're drawing their conclusions about the metagame. It's what we do on this podcast. And it it's really just an effect of small sample sizes on people's perceptions of decks. Bro, so, I, I love that. Like that's this is my favorite thing. That's why I wish like that that Eternal Weekend Europe was in the US because after Bologna everybody's gonna say whatever Delver deck top eight is the best Delver deck and yep. there's gonna be so much room to just fuck that, right? You're absolutely right. And that's like that's what I love about Legacy, really. That that spot where people have shaky assumptions, you know, not not necessarily wrong, but maybe you know, only looking at a part of the picture and having some sort of weakness that can be but, exploited. But it's so hard to actually have a full grasp on everything going on and having enough matches under your belt to have large enough sample sizes. Right. right? And then there's always like what you play against too could just not be what you expect. So you can always just th- get thrown out the window. But that's also part of the fun of it, right? I mean, it is part of the fun of it. But like... Like at this point in my magic career, if you'd call it, like I I play magic because I enjoy it. I'm not doing what I did three or four years ago and like really getting ready for events in a, I don't know, kind of like focused and dedicated way. I don't have enough time to do that anymore. I can't say, all right, I'm going to this event. I'm going to play 150 matches I'm going to have people over my house and talk about my last sideboard choice. Like it, I just, I can't do that anymore. So my preparation for events is it's not, it's not the way that it used to be. Yeah. And I think that mine's not either, but the reason that I play is still that reason. Like the, the reason of two weeks out from an event or whatever, just like trying to figure shit out and trying to figure out a 75 that can, you know, shore up a weak matchup or whatever. Like, I still love that aspect. And it's still just, like, riding to work or whatever, or, you know, lunchtime, just, like, ironing that shit out is just what I love about about the game. Yep. And I think that, like, that's that's great. But two weeks out from an event, I like, it. it's just, that's, that's not enough time to say, all right, this is when I'm going to prep for it. The process is outstanding, but that process completely depends on how much free time you have. And I just, I, I am not there anymore. Well, so that's why I think that two weeks is like that sweet spot. And like why I wish that we could play in Bologna or, or Eternal Weekend 
is because that's sort of like the equalizer for me because I'm not going to have time to jam all these games like you're talking about, but nobody is because we only have two weeks. So I actually am on more of an even footing, right? Where the, the calls that you make, if they're correct, can be as important as playing those games. It's, it's dude, it, it's going to be awesome when we do have this League of Legacy event because there really aren't that many big events. Like we're in the slow point of the year now, right? Well, I mean, what's the slow point of the year for Legacy? Right now, we have two big events coming up. They're not U.S. events, right? right? So, like, it depends on the region. But it's this is a pretty big time for Legacy. Big ban. We have a Grand Prix coming up and another big event in Europe. People are going to be watching. And obviously, the European (laughs) Correct. Nobody's going to be watching. People are going to be... Uh, after I the fact. apologize. People will be looking at Twitter. Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, the yeah, other we won't be watching. <laughs> fucking ah. Uh, that does fucking suck. Watsy. That really sucks. This How can we not have? I don't want to talk about lack of video coverage, but fuck. How can we not get this on camera? Sucks, bro. It really sucks. Can we start like a GoFundMe? Bro. For Watsy to have camera coverage, like so if we raise was, yeah. enough money, what were they called? GG's Live, like Rashad yeah. Miller. They were trying to do that for a while, and I was like retweeting it. I was trying to drum up support, but like it got quashed. I think that would be it's sick. Di- it's disappointing. Yeah, I would love to do that. And their budget, I think, was like I it was it was really something reasonable, like five grand or something. Yeah, I mean to do minimal coverage. Yeah. Just to get just to get everything videotaped so you can put it out on YouTube later and watch it after the event's over. Like uh, it's disappointing to me that they don't care enough about people that want to watch these things to be able to do something. Right? Oh, it really sucks, yeah. But we took a look at like their video production budget for the mystery draft. <laughs> and we uh we understand we understand what everybody's working with. Bro, and you're you're right for the record, like saying this is a slow point of the year is historically true, but it's especially untrue at this moment. Because yeah, this is actually like one of the hot months. Yeah, this is like our we got the we got the Death Right Shaman band to shake up June and then it was popping. There was the SCG and then we had a Grand Prix coming up on the horizon. Like it was that was the time. And right now, it is the time. It's just not the time for us in the US. Yeah, yeah, we had this past April was really hot, and yeah, now is is really hot for Europe, I guess. So yeah, it it sucks, man. It's their party, I guess. Good for them. Good for them. Congratulations to our six European listeners. No, we have. Okay. Oh, so, congrats, Marcus, for uh, making, listen making his maiden voyage. So we we get like the updates on like how the podcast is doing every week. Yeah. And South America and Europe, we do we do pretty well in. Oh, we're? Yeah, and maybe it's just like there are no pod- podcasts in that market and we're like such a super small niche market that people are listening to you for old school advice in <laughs> in Hamburg. But don't 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 doubt on the Europeans. Nah, I won't, man. I got a lot of respect for you guys and girls and uh, i think that uh 
Yeah. What what was it? Poland? Where we uh where we were topping the charts a couple weeks ago? It might have it might have been Poland. It might have been another country. We got those fashion listeners. Yep. And uh Ian has his yellow vest ready to podcast next week. <laughs> bro, solidarity. Are we ready to wrap this one, bro? Yeah. I think yeah, next yeah, yeah. week I know people were uh excited about this episode and I know we delivered some of our first impressions. Uh, I think next week's going to be a deeper dive with Lawrence and really sort of getting into the first results and where we go from there. Because a lot of this is like, which shoes fall first, right? Like which decks show up, how people react to that. And then we get the chain going. Absolutely. So quick goodbye. Pour one out for running six. That's it. 86.